Welcome to the Data Diaries podcast and this special series on leading through the COVID-19 crisis for visitor attractions executives with your host, Angie Judge, Chief Executive of Dexhibit, Big Data Analytics for Visitor Attractions. Maggie, thank you so much for joining us here today. What is life like from where you're dialing in? It's a a bizarre new reality for all of us. Um, You know, walking past people in the street and and waving a hello as we we distance from each other. It's interesting times that, you know, even two months ago, we wouldn't have foreseen, I don't think, it hitting uh, this strongly. I guess we're all enjoying the bird song mm. a little bit, but yes, a new reality for all of us. There's, then what is the health and economic situation like in the UK at the moment? Well, uh, it, it, it's, it's a huge concern. And as you've probably seen from the international news, the health situation in the UK is a real uh, worry. The National Health Service um, seems to be holding up really well and everyone here, as you've probably seen, is uh, really praising and thanking our amazing people right across the the health service. Care homes are a real worry in terms of how it's how it's hit and and the lack of uh, protective equipment across the health service has been a worry for everyone. And I think we're all also really really conscious of the amazing work other essential workers provide. You know we're um, there's been absolutely no halt to our bins being collected. It's, you know, which is, of course, really important. The posty has been here. My milkman still appears. So all those other people who, you know, we perhaps don't see as essential workers going into the supermarket. And I'm sure that's the same across all nations. I think, you know, often workers who we take for granted, we're all seen as, as really, really important. But the health mm-hmm. situation is a massive, massive concern. Um, for us in the UK, you know, the number of deaths uh, went over twenty thousand. That uh, and, you know, that sounds horrendous, but that and that was only in hospitals. That wasn't in the care setting, which we know is such a worry as well. Economically, of course, that's uh, a parallel uh, and important concern, and that worry about that. You know, we come out of the lockdown, um, and how do we balance? coming out of the lockdown, keeping people safe and our, you know, our mantra of keeping keeping people at home, keeping people safe and saving lives has been one very, uh, very much taken on board in the UK. But that parallel worry of the longer it goes, the longer that hits the nation economically is being really felt as well. And, you know, every morning turning the radio on and hearing another uh, major organization major company in the uk uh, planning to lay off more people and that's the larger ones who've got um you know more resilience in many ways the number of small companies who were desperately worried even with the um uh, you know with the measures that the government have put in place to to support uh companies large and small it's 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 a massive worry for everybody and tell me about that uh, government stimulus, uh, whether that's for businesses in general or uh, the cultural sector, if it's there specifically. What does that government look like to help people survive economically through these times? Yeah, well, um, and you know, quite quickly, the government stepped forward um, to offer um, business rate holidays and a furloughing scheme. Um, for companies to use and the furlough scheme the the government will pay 80% 
of workers' pay, with then encouraging, obviously, organisations to pay the extra 20% if they are able to. So that was the first um, wave of support that came out, which was quickly followed, of course, by um, you know the concerns that in today's um, uh, economy and ecology, so many people aren't uh, working in organisations where that's relevant to them. So the number of people that are self-employed, the number of people working in the gig economy, um, so more measures have come forward to support self-employed people and people working in different ways. But there's still, you know, um, you know, we live in a very complex world now. So one, um, you know, one uh, measure or a number of measures that fit a certain type of organisation aren't relevant and helpful to everyone. So it's a complex picture. And I think, you know, generally the government's um, stepping forward and doing what it can. But clearly, I mean, this is a massive complex task and a massive potential um, uh, financial implication that will hit us all, of course, for years to come. Mm. And what is happening in the, the museum and attractions industry at the moment? What is the mood and sort of general sentiment like out there? Oh, it, it's quite hard to generalise, actually. And I think that's because we are such a complicated ecosystem in the UK across visitor attractions and museums. We're really fortunate to have a number of organisations that are supporting uh, museums and the wider cultural sector and the wider visitor attraction sector that are bringing together the best intelligence, sharing podcasts, sharing, sharing experiences, so that I think no one feels alone in it. Um, so there's, I, I think, that mixture of huge worry um, with, um, you know, with that, that old resilience and that you know feeling of we will get through this and our creativity and optimism will be helpful but you know I every, every statement is countered by a different feeling because I say that and my natural inclination is want to be positive because I see such amazing um yeah, uh, intelligence and imagination out there to tackle this and then I think all of us go through that guilt curve as well because there are so many of our colleagues we can name so many organizations who know they can only pay staff for another three weeks or four mm. weeks and it is that bad they are going to the wall and these aren't organizations that have been managing themselves um, poorly it's because their business models are all about people coming through the door and you know our reserves and many of us are charities and we'll have reserves policies that that say we'll you know we'll have enough reserves to page or, or to page our, our staff and function for two months three months um, that that's very quickly slipping away during this close time and um you know the I mentioned the complex um, uh, ecosystem, you know, the range of different governance models and funding models, uh, let alone, you know, the difference in our collection types and locations that we're based in, all make a massive difference. Um, you know, there are organisations that, that get no regular um, funding, either from national or local government, that it's all about the money through the door from visitors. Um, through entrance fees and, of course, all the other paid experiences in our cafes and our retail and so on. And then there are other organisations who are in a 
um, a more fortunate position because they do get regular government funding and the National Museums uh, family, which um, my museum is, is fortunate to be part of, um, does get that regular government funding. But again, even with the national museums, um, some may have, um, you know, 80% of the funding may come from the government, others it still might be actually a relatively small amount. So there's, so we can't just describe it in, in one linear, in, in one bland, broad way, because it's so different. And I think because of that, the feeling of mood is, is different too. Um, but even I was speaking to one colleague who's among those medium-sized museums who relies on every penny of their income virtually comes from people through the door. And, um, and you know, what a massive worry that she has running her organisation, but still her creativity and positivity shone through, you know, and she was, we're looking for solutions, we're, you know, we're using all the government schemes, we're talking to colleagues, we're finding solutions. So, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, there there are so many great forums uh, here in the UK for people to share ideas and have support, new mentoring schemes coming up to support people to talk through thinking. So it is grim. It is really grim, but equally, people are putting their arms virtually around each other and supporting each other to try and find the best solutions that we can. Are there any lessons in particular that you're carrying forward from times that the UK has faced in the past, whether that's sort of the last recession or, or other events in its history that, that are providing you with strengths at this time? I, you know, I think the difficulty is it is unprecedented, and that word's probably been overused, but it is unprecedented. Nevertheless, there are always lessons, aren't there? And for, for those historians among um, the museum and cultural sector, of course, we look back and working my day job for the Royal Air Force Museum, um, you know, I was really reticent for a while to, to to, to start picking up those comparisons of wartime because it, it felt very um, inappropriate in some ways to do that. But I think as, as we've moved through this pandemic, those, those parallels have become more and more relevant in terms of um, some of the things that people assume that aren't real too. Um, but I, you know, I, I think the, the key learnings are about um, the need to think and plan, but equally not to take too much time thinking and planning that we're not reacting. We're almost having to think and plan and react in parallel because it's moving so swiftly. Um, um, this. So, you know, I've been really heartened by, in my own organisation, I'm hearing from colleagues across the UK um museum and uh, cultural heritage world the you know the incredible agility um that's happened for people picking up their business continuity plans perhaps that they had um and and, and using them in in real time very swiftly even if they hadn't picked them up and, and reviewed them as often as they should do you know people came to have come together as you know in parallel as people do in crises and often do react even better and more positively and more productively so it isn't just I don't think naive positivity it's positivity 
born from, you know, I think a group of leaders and managers who have got really pragmatic heads combined with that um, imagine, imagination and that combination of looking backwards from history and looking forwards to using what data we do have to scenario plan for the future. Mm. And it's interesting, isn't it? I think the crisis management plan has become the new strategic plan that will see us through the next couple of years. Yeah, and it, it, it's true, isn't it? And I, I've been reflecting on that because we, um, uh, in my own museum, we developed a new strategic plan um, just a year ago, our strategy 2030. And as you say, people are saying now, well, you know, we, we're not going to go through a period of three, six, 18 months and everything go back to normal. Will our strategic plans still be relevant? Um, and and actually, I I I I paused and thought about that and thought, blimey, you know, it's only a year since we said we're going to have a ten-year visioning here, and thinking how relevant and appropriate is that now? Um, but certainly, looking back at ours, and it might be that you know, I think any organisation who uh, has big capital ambitions and thoughts, of course, that's changing because of funding, because of what we can and can't and, and can't do, and you know the best case scenario is things are going to take longer but looking at our strategic plan and ambitions for 10 years that was all about for us it's been a national museum telling internationally and globally connected stories but working as a local community partner and resource i think those principles of being relevant of having passion and sharing working together feel all the more needed now than, than they ever did so i think there's a you know it's interesting looking re-looking at our strategic plans through through that prism and testing them now but not necessarily throwing them away either mm, makes us more ambitious to achieve those goals just in a, in a different so. way and what sort of dates are you seeing or or feeling gut feel at the moment in terms of when things might start to reopen up in, in the UK? Well, at the moment, and again, I think different organisations are sharing their plans and it's, it's varying. Um, for us specifically at the Royal Air Force Museum, at the moment, we're hoping to start um, being able to get back into the museum um, probably June time we're looking with the July opening. Um, I know the co other colleagues are looking at August. Some colleagues are thinking that because of the business model and, and potentially the summer, which is so important to us as, as visitor attractions, as well as charities and museums, yeah. some are actually thinking that the cost of opening um, in terms of numbers of people through the door, it may not be worth even thinking about till next year, some are saying. Certainly, we are hoping that a gradual reopening will start from the summer and we might be able to catch the end of that summer period. I think what nobody, nobody is anticipating, though, is that we open the doors on a set date and everybody comes back as normal. All of us are, are re-looking at our visitor projections and certainly projecting down, even when um, government is allowing us to reopen. I'm sure there's going to be some restrictions and some sizes of organisations in different regions may, may be staggered by government decree. And even if not, we'll all be thinking about clearly uh, social distancing. We'll be thinking about how many people we can 
safely let in. And again, that depends on, on each of our uh, museums in terms of layout, what space we've got. You know, certainly we're looking at, we call it the IKEA model. How can we, mm -hmm. how can we um, uh, you know, direct people around the museums and not coming back on each other? So all those plans are happening across all our museums, I'm absolutely certain, so that we're ready to act when we can and have a plan in place and making sure that, you know, we're thinking about the health and welfare of both our staff and our visitors. What I'm really concerned for is that as well as thinking of that health, which has to come first and that sensibleness and sensitivity to that, and some people may be too fearful to come out into crowded spaces to begin with, all of that we're taking into consideration. I just want to make sure as well that when we do open our doors, we're not losing that warm welcome and thank you back to our wonderful visitors who want to come back and support us. Yeah. So I don't want the social distance mean that we're having a warmth distance between us because that would be a, a very sad thing. That opportunity to come back together is a really important one that, that I think we've got to plan for very, very carefully. And I mentioned a few changes to London with the international tourism outlook. Um, will affect quite a few of the members of the Museum Association as well. Hugely, and uh, quite a large number of our members at the Museums Association rely um, a great deal on international tourism, and that's a market that's going to take you know, some time to come back, and, and you know, certainly the next 12 months is going to be affected um, and longer. So, um, you know, that on top of our thinking about Brexit in the UK and the impact of Brexit on tourism and tourism from the EU, clearly on top of all that now, there's those wider implications for international tourism, particularly, as you mentioned, the larger um, museums in London, but also some of our, our um, colleagues in larger museums and galleries in places like Edinburgh. Um, mm. And, you know, so uh, yeah, across the four nations, there are museums who rely on international um, uh, tourism and movement. And that's really important. So, of course, again, we're all sharing um, intelligence and thinking about domestic tourism and visiting friends and relatives and um, tourism as well but there's no doubt that the economic impact that that's having um is going to be severe and long-lasting and you know certainly a number of our colleagues who relied on um tourism from china the impact had already hit them quite a long time before we actually closed mm -hmm. You know they'd seen their visitor figures drop and you know and you know some of those uh, groups of tourists are ones that also um spend in our venues too so it's a double hit both ways so even those of us who are free um you know those visitors who who then come and and invest their tourism uh, pound in our museums it, it, it hit us before the close down and that impact is going to go on for some months um, and potentially years to come. So, yeah, it is a, a big concern for colleagues. Do you have a sense of how long that economic recovery might ta might take through the industry? Oh, it's, it's really hard um, to guess. And I think if you asked me um, that question two weeks ago, my answer would probably be different and it would probably be different mm -hmm. again two weeks. Um, 
um, forward. But I, you know, I, I we're certainly planning um, to be hit for the whole of this year and uh, next year too. And the Museums Association um, itself, because of course, um, as a membership body, we're a charity at the Museums Association too, and we're. Um, certainly planning a, 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 a very significant hit for the rest of the year, but also looking at our projections for the year after to see how that will hit. Because of course, for us as a membership organisation, our members are those um, very people, those colleagues who we're talking about, whose organisations are, are, are struggling um, to survive and having to think about every penny they spend. So as a membership organization we're very aware of that and we're looking at um adjusting our membership benefits and what we offer to support people digitally of course now but making sure that we're um supporting them with that intelligence to look forward so that they're um being part of the, of the museums association community is going to help them get through this mm. And uh, is there anything in particular that strikes you about the region that is a pro or a con that's unique about it to help it get through or um, that might have sort of a particular long lasting effect during this time? I think that what strikes me right across the UK and across our four nations is um, that the sector, of course, we are, you know, we are charities and we're business minded charities. So there's always... Uh, competition for visitors and for, to spend but the overall feel in museums and visitor the visitor economy for me is about this so much positive sharing of intelligence of data um, and and of ways through this and I think that that strength that the UK has in terms of that sharing organization wide for me is the is is a, a huge advantage um to us and i think that's on a number of levels uh certainly business-wise because we have huge support and as well as the the museums association that i've got the huge privilege of being president of at the moment other organizations such as the association of leading visitor attractions national museums directors council the association of independent museums and then specialist organisations for social history museums, for, um, for learning people, different specialist bodies. It, there's something about, as well as the specific business intelligence that helps us plan and practically um, uh, be more agile and ready. There is something there that as leaders and as people working in the industry, that very strong feeling of we're not alone and that there's support out there. And I think at the big, certainly the beginning of this crisis where everyone hunkers down and thinks, you know, how do I get through it in my organisation? That's a very, very lonely place to be. And I think making good decisions in that isolated mindset and being distanced from people physically it, it is not easy for our mental health and it doesn't bode well for clear thinking um, and good decisions. So the fact that although uh, physically we might be separated, um, 
digitally we're getting together. There are meetings, there are conversations through emails, through Zoom, through Teams. And as I say, it's the, the, the technical knowledge that is we're knowing the best intelligence that's out there that we can to help us plan, but also that feeling of we're not alone. There are a lot of very um, clever, creative people out there, the same, but actually people who properly care as well. And I think that that shouldn't be underestimated in terms of how it's getting us all through this. Mm. Is there anything in, um, in particular that um, people should be turning to the Museums Association for, particular resources or events that you're running during the time? We're putting, uh, for our members who we, you, you know, we've certainly been planning over the last, oh, three, four, five years about how we can be digitally more connected to our members. Um, and certainly, you know, you mentioned what we can learn from what we've gone through. Certainly the, re the recession and austerity and cuts that we've gone through in the museums, um, uh, in museums and public service in the UK over recent years has meant that museum people have found it harder to find the budgets to get out and about and connect as much perhaps. So we've looked a lot at how we can um, balance digital engagement with still making sure that there are those physical opportunities to get together um, for our members in ways that people don't have to pay, although of course there's always a cost to getting um, out. So certainly the digital resources that, that, um, that the Museums Association is sharing with our members um, are really helpful. We've been doing new digital training opportunities online for members as well um, but also looking at, at different offers at the moment to, to, that means that people can um, be connected with us in um, in a way that is uh, even more um, affordable uh, than normally uh, because we do feel we've got a responsibility for the sector and it's that it's that measure that balance isn't it as that you know an organization and a charity we've got to make sure that we're resilient and come out of this healthy mm. so we can support our members in the future but still wanting as well to to make sure that we're putting every bit of resources we can behind supporting our members so that digital resilience in terms of resources but also our members meetings that were always physically and in person um, we're looking at our next few members meetings how we can make them online so that people can still come together and ask questions and and share fresh thinking um, together so you know again in terms of how I've personally um, uh, really benefited from membership of the MA and those other bodies um, I mentioned I, you know you know, I think that all our, our members and, and uh, people across the UK are looking for those opportunities not to be alone mm. at the moment. So one piece of advice you'd leave everybody with yeah, from a UK perspective? Uh, you know, I, well, I, I guess the, the, my thinking is about how we're planning with a three-legged stool uh, in mind. And the three legs for me as, as a leader of an organization are about our people and we can do nothing without our people. So making sure that as well as their physical health being attuned to their mental well-being, the effects of isolation, the facts, um, you know, people have lost families and friends in our organization and that's affecting how we work and behave and, and our expectations have to 
understand all of that um, and that we're working with our staffers as, as a family and having that support to get through this um, to lead our amazing organisations into the future. So there's our, our staff as one leg of our three-legged stool. And I guess the, the, the second leg is everything we have, our visitors, our wonderful spaces, you know, all that public facing amazing work that we do that of course there it will be a new normal, but that physicality of being together, the real object, people coming together to be inspired by what we do, communities coming together to use our spaces. And we know, you know, the importance of what we do in terms of mental health, community glue, that's going to be more important than ever mm. going forward. So we, we mustn't forget the importance of that physical connection because of this. So that's the second uh, leg of the stool for me. The third leg, of course, is that we're also charities, businesses, and we've got to make sure that we've got that resilience to go forward. And certainly for, for us at the RAF Museum, we are taking the model of not wanting to draw on all our reserves to get through the next year or so. And we want to make some, some deep decisions now in terms of reducing our um, current inputs so that we, we're preserving our reserves for our amazing creative strategy 2030 so that we've got um, something real to plan for in an exciting way in the future. So. So we're thinking about our business models and, and making sure that they're not just going to get us through six or 12 mm. months, that, that we're there for the future as well. So, and that three-legged stool, we've got to look after each of those legs because one, 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 we lose one and we fall over. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's paying attention as leaders to, to each of those, uh, I think, is the way to get through this. Mm, and it's such an important message to not only get through the crisis, but to have fuel in the tank to rise again on the other side. Correct. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Maggie, for uh, joining us uh, today. And I really appreciate hearing a, a UK perspective and, and a deep museum perspective as well from, from your work. Thank you, Angie. And it's also interesting how, you know, in these days of uh, speaking in this way, we also have... Uh, family coming and making breakfast in the background at the same time. So I hope that didn't detract in some way that gives context to the interview. We're all getting to know each other a little better, I think, in these times and Absolutely. being in each other's homes. That's quite well, precious. Thank you so much, Maggie. Thanks, Angie. Cheerio.